Radio Worm goes to O Festival. Reports from Chola and Tisa. Good morning. Well, good mid midday, everybody. You don't say that. Good midday, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> good uh, tipping point of the day uh, into the afternoon. Perfect. Chola, we have so many things to speak about. I know. It's horrible. Yeah. This festival is great. <laughs> it's too great. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about O Festival today. And Tisa and I have been there. It started on Friday and we've been attending the weekend. Lots of different things that we're going to share some things with you. And also talk about what's coming up because it goes on till next Sunday, 29th. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, this O Festival used to be called Opera Dachen, Opera Days. And they have renamed because O now means stands for openness, as well as Oprah, yes. as well as probably other things. But I think uh, what they're attempting to do with their program also quite successfully is to open up the genre of opera and to bring it in into the contemporary time. Yeah, and what I think when we were in the talk on Saturday with Geet and Joost, who are the director and one of the programmers, they were talking about how the thread then of the festival is not opera, but it's the voice. Exactly. Which for Tisa and I, I think we were both quite excited about that because we also worked with our voices. We're like, ooh. So yeah, every show has been about, has included a voice, but also dancers, um, experimental sound, pop sound, very much performance, theatre. Yeah. Um, I, I was surprised uh, how staged these things are, actually. Mm. It's like rarely that there's only a person or an ensemble in front of the public in this concert schema. Mm. It's more um, theatrical, like yeah. many more things happen on stage as well as movement and props and costumes and set design and so on. So it's quite a total experience in mm. the opera sense as well. Yeah, yeah. And also where the audience is being positioned and how the interaction mm. with the audience. So like, for example, with your show that you did on Saturday, which was a kind of in progress theatre, improv theatre piece um, and then the audience was kind of handed things, they were like the actors were walking around the audience we were kind of part of the props, we were part of the stage and well, that's what, how I experienced it yeah. anyway which was really nice and then yesterday I went to one in the afternoon by they them also part of the O Lab and programme which is also at Worm and that w- at the audience we sat in a circle and the musicians were kind of at 12, 3, 6 and 9 o'clock and mm-hmm. then the audience were in that same ring and then outside of that ring. And at uh, Lente uh, 22K, I, I have no idea how to actually pronounce this Sounds uh, good. great name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the audience was positioned on two tribunes facing each other so basically the responses of the listeners that were in the space mm. were also kind of a part of the performance. Uh, I found myself looking at people quite yeah. a lot. I did actually too yeah because we could look at the audience opposite yes on the other side of the stage yes it was really yeah it was cool i was yeah i wanted to see what i yeah i did i actually looked what are they looking at Uh what are they what are they watching right now Mm. because that in that show there was a singer and a dancer and the movement of the dancer was very very like i was completely captured and like but then also the singer was also sometimes moving and also her that lot there was a lot of body language going on through her voice and also the way she was composing herself yeah, it was really cool. Wow, uh, we're jumping ahead. Huh? I don't I know. know. Like, uh, there's so much material to go through. Maybe I would like to start with uh, this first thing that we attended, which was the talk with mm. Guy and Joost. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> so in sync. <laughs> um, I asked them a question about uh, the voice. Mm. So I, I don't think uh, in this recording I have the actual question recorded but I think the question was something about the operatic voice and what is the significance of the voice mm. in general so I just want to play this let's go for it it's definitely the key point it doesn't have to be an opera voice mm-hmm. but it's the central point of all the productions um, before we did this music theatre where there's an art where there's an, an actor and, and uh, music but we decided not to do that because there can be projects, productions with an actor, but it's in the singing voice is the central thing. And preferably there's always an opera voice, because we think it's important that we show that it's, it's not an elitist thing, the opera voice. Uh, that it's, and of course it's, a, it's technically very difficult to learn to sing. But what we, we like to do, what I explained, to to show people that it's that it can be very emotional to listen to this to this opera voice and um, 
that was one of the reasons that we changed the name. We, we kept it in the subtitle opera, and they always do for opera, but it's more in, in Dutch. It's also openness, embracing, Omarman uh, is embracing. So that's why we, uh, because we felt that a lot of people are scared of the opera world, world. and. Um, when we bring people to the opera voice in a different way, either in a site-specific space or in a walk, people are like, wow, this is really so touching. And I think that's why we have, we mentioned already Clarence, but she's now the teacher of so many young, good artists. Um, that also for these artists to see that there are other possibilities than just singing in the opera house. They can, of course, but like we use it to create their own projects with this, with the fantastic material as an opera voice, um, I think then we, we're really defending the future of the opera. Uh, after the talk, we also spoke about how um, this effect of the voice is the central topic of the whole festival, right? Like how these emotions that uh, the voice is able to transmit is kind of what they are here for what they make the program about, to get the tingles, you know, to get the goosebumps from the actual physical experience of someone singing in mm -hmm. front of you and just like blasting <laughs> magnetism or vibration into uh, mm. your existence. I was thinking about how like the emotion of the voice and like, I don't know, that was quite like, what emotion or I don't know immediately like you want it to be hard-hitting but sometimes you don't want everything to be so emotional hard-hitting I don't know if you thought about that use of the word and trying to bring emotion just through well the main thread being the voice mm -hmm. so the thoughts not reformed really but it's I was thinking about that and how I felt or what I perceived that to be and what they meant uh-huh so it's a question of the sensibility maybe of, of mm. the audience as well so do we as audience you know uh, our brains polluted by uh, by all this information and data streams and social media, quick satisfaction kind of stuff. Uh, does this mean that we need an extra, like an extreme, uh, powerful yeah. display of emotion in front of us uh, in order to be um, hit by yeah. by its its presence? Or is its that magnitude? like what's translated from opera that it is so? loaded and like theatrical mm -hmm. and over the top in many ways you yeah. know because it's such yeah. a unique use of the voice and maybe that's the kind of bit that's translated into this more broad and more open use of the voice within this festival i don't know yeah interesting sounds legit yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am wondering yeah uh, about the the gentleness mm. also of the voice or uh some some sort of organic neutrality you know mm -hmm. just like okay here's a voice it's here yeah. it doesn't have to hit you hard you yeah. know yeah it's just like present as it is organic in its form anyways yeah yeah i think i have a few examples maybe of ones we can play where i feel like that's more where the voice was Beautiful. but um maybe just going also back to the conversation that we listened to with your stinget um something i also found interesting is that they only have programmed 20% of the program that they've done, only 20% they actually know the show. So 80% if they program blind, which also and they were talking about how it's a, the festival is a space for people to, for artists to come and try ideas, to fail. It is, they're not trying to program shows that have this operatic theatre, high level, high um, budget. But also things are in progress, like the OLAB program, which is held at Worm, yep. and other things going on. Um, so I really like that. And also it's kind of the leap of faith of like, yeah, we're just giving you a platform to try it out. And so they're kind of, they were talking a lot about how they're asking the artists a lot and then they're also asking the audience a lot because, you know, the audience may, may not know what they're ex about to see, like the expectation of having a performance and going as an audience member to watch something, which um, is quite refreshing, actually. I was like, oh, I've never been to a festival that's so... DIY, but then also in an execution that's like, you know, we're in theatres, we're in really good venues, but it's still like, yeah, try it out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I think they even said, artists can fail, yeah. like giving permission to yeah. people. <laughs> and uh, they also mentioned that they call themselves a creation festival. Mm. Oh, mm. I didn't hear that. That's really nice. Yeah. I think it's really cool also, like, uh, with this uh, Music Now Awards. Is mm. that what the awards are called? Music Theatre Now. Music Theatre Now. MT Now. MT Now Awards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're also saying how, uh, how important it is to cross 
to cre- create a platform for uh, different creators to cross over, mm. like to exchange ideas yeah. and stuff and to just like mingle yeah. out in this festival time and uh, see what their own positions on creation are. Now I feel like, because I don't actually have my head around this, like we're talking about many different programs, like the MT Now, right. and then we've talked about OLAB. And then there's first dates. Maybe we can actually talk about the different programs within the festival. That's a really uh, great idea. <laughs> yeah, to structure <laughs> this talk a little bit. Yeah, or just to uh, bring it a bit clearer for myself and then maybe also for people who might want to go to the festival. And so I will play some music in the background okay. while we do this. That's really nice. Uh, it's from Lanta K. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um... Yeah, so this is Lenta K22, which um, Tisa mentioned when the audience were like, the audience were facing each other, then in the middle of the two tiers of audience, there was the singer and the dancer. Um, so, with the program, there seems to be first dates, which I believe is like when they kind of match different creatives and get them to try out stuff. So it's kind of like a collaboration to like see where you go. But people maybe from different practices, different traditions of music making. Yes. Um, and then there's Late Light Lullabies, which is, they said they started it in the pandemic because finding a way to still hold the festival, but with a smaller audience size where people could be like 1.5 meters apart. Mm. And so I went to one on Saturday night, which was with Rina, oh God, I can't remember, Rina Mushonga, um, themselves and a piano player, which was really nice, like kind of, yeah, acoustic voice and piano very beautiful very calming it was quite nice at the end of the day on Saturday because that had been an incredible day but very lots of different things and my ears felt very happy to be kind of for me it was different you know because we went to Lenta K before and I was like so touched by this performance that I couldn't I couldn't listen to any music anymore but I did speak to the creators of the Lent cake. Ah, so I so have a bunch of interviews. Yeah, I think we should definitely do. Play. Yeah, yeah. But let's go back to, to uh, the to late night lullabies that we also visited yesterday. So that was on Sunday evening. Yes. And it was the Ukrainian orchestra. Yes. Playing. Yes. Which was amazing. Very and they're also touching. playing this afternoon another show because they submitted it for the MT Now Award, and they won, I think, one of the awardees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a different set last night for Late Light Lullabies, um, all based around Maripol, which is the area in Ukraine that's been sieged by Russia. Um, and so they kind of did it as a dedication to all the victims of that part of the Ukraine. And so there were seven of them, nine of them playing, um, three singers and five, oh God, four, four, four percussionists. Uh, they had this huge string instruments. I have so no beautiful. idea what the name is in English, oh. but citre for whoever may understand my language <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of crescendos a lot of like polyrhythmical moments of really like blasting the volume into the space and uh, beautiful songs songs that uh, exist in the tradition as well yeah I've got something I want to play from that yes, one of the songs please. later okay. play it now or later let's play it now play it now okay yeah. let's go so part of the late night lullabies. It happens, what, at 9.30, right? Every day, I think, um, there's a concert. 10.30. Yes, uh, uh, no, it varies, depends. All right. Okay. So this is kind of, yeah, when the voices start to come in last night with the um, group from Ukraine. Um, maybe we'll just listen to it actually for a bit because it's really beautiful. Maybe we can shut up.
crescendo uh, begins. <laughs> gets quite wild. <laughs> so yeah, the, the So go today to Theater Schaburg at uh, 9:30 for right? Oh, no no the no. The program today is so big. Yeah. 7:30 tonight. Yes. The Ukrainian orchestra will be doing Chernobyldorf, which was their contribution to the MT Now Awards. Yes. And so I'm and definitely going to see Krotisal. that. Yeah. Yeah, Theater Rotterdam. Um just to say cuz you mentioned the instruments I found what they were called. So the Ukrainian bandura Belarusian, Cymbalom, Gusli, and Cantele. Okay. But yes. as you said, as Jesus said, they were kind of all percussion instruments but on the lap and then all with strings, and they were playing them with kind of drumsticks. Yeah, <laughs> with drumsticks. Proper drumsticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just drumsticks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, recommend um, people to go to that tonight at 7.30. So that was part of one of the late night lullabies. And then also there's a program called OLAB, which maybe you know more about because your performance on Saturday was part of that program. It was a part of it. Uh, I just know that uh, it's uh, more, like, it's the most experimental uh, part of the whole festival, I believe. So, like, uh, some creators that didn't have a chance to perform yet in, you know, this kind of festivals, uh, get a stage, get a production budget, and things happen. Ours was very fun, at least for me. I don't know how the audience felt. I think they were fine with it. <laughs> it was it was it was fun. And this is a little snippet from it. There she is, there's Atisa. It's me. <laughs> there was really um so the as I understood the storyline was that all these people were living in this tower block and each as you got higher up the block the poorer or the worse way of living or other way the way other way around okay, so as yeah, you got yeah. higher up the better um standard of life you had but it was kind of yes yeah, so we were like ventured to different floors and the audience were kind of mixed into being the stage and everybody was playing multiple characters so like the musicians though the yeah the musicians would get up and suddenly put on a different hat or a different kind of cloak and then come into the stage and start talking and it was it was so much fun yes yeah basically the uh, the tower is burning uh, on the ground floor then this is what the characters realize at one point that if a tower is burning wait a minute even if we are on the 153rd floor the tower is going to collapse mm -hmm. there is a big percentage chance of that you know it's gonna kind of all fall down warning warning apocalypse yes <laughs> you know and so maybe you can talk a little bit about the process of making that or where it's at as a project where it's at i don't know we did it once let's see uh, if it grows into something that we will do again mm -hmm. i hope it does i mean it was super fun to work together with this crew we only had one day in the actual space of the performance yeah. which means just like come in in the morning boom 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 kind of trying to figure the whole thing out you know how to stage it yeah, yeah. we had like two or three weeks of rehearsals to do the whole opera an anonymous uh, writer made the libretto uh. quite a while ago um, and then kind of uh, changed it up to, to facilitate songs as well. Luca Simonis was kind of the composer uh. person the most out of us all. But I think uh, the, the roles was, were kind of shifting and we, we really had a nice way to exchange ideas and to mm. kind of make something. I think together. that definitely came across then in the performance. Yeah. Because you were all doing everything and supporting one another and helping create the stage. Very chaotic experience for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't chaotic. It was. It had okay. order. Yeah. That, that was. A, or that was the. That was a, um, the sentiment or the, the uh, communication of it. That was part of it. Super. It felt like that anyway. Improvisational order. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, Wonderful. Another thing I wanted to share from the OLAB series is um, this. Uh, performance by They Them, which is a new project, and this was the first time that ever performed with people. Wait, I'm just going to check that it's the Codarts uh, people, right? 
Yeah, but I don't know if they're Kodaks. Wait. Oh, no, sorry, I'm going to go from a song. Yeah, that's better. Um, no, they went to, they did the Conservatoire in the Hague. Oh, right. So Jonathan, who um, was one of the performers, is something they set up, a new project, and they collaborate with different people. Um, and I'll play a little interview I did with them after. Um, but this was also in the same space. That's part of the OLAB program, which is also the in-progress one. Um, and this is the first time they performed, and the audience, as I mentioned this one at the beginning, that the audience were sitting in a circle with the performers. Um, and then, yeah, so we kind of, we heard what they heard, and we were kind of with them. It was an interesting, ex- they're kind of interested in, they see it as a gathering, not a performance or a concert. Mm-hmm. But maybe be- while I, instead of speaking about it myself, I'm just going to play you my conversation with Jonathan. So what is They is a gathering, uh, so not a concert, not a theatre piece, but a gathering about belonging and othering, and uh, in which I try to connect with my audience on a, I would say, deeper level than it usually happens. Okay. And how many of you, what is the, is you and others, or you invite people to... Um, it's a fluid cast and team so it's always changing I always invite new musicians and we're making a bigger version that is also going to involve a dancer a tattoo artist and maybe more musicians so this was the first tryout uh, and I came here with uh, three other musicians uh, viola, cello and percussion and then also with uh, another singer and where are you based? Where? I live in Rotterdam I uh, come from Belgium, but after my studies in The Hague, I uh, stayed around. What's your name? I should have asked you <laughs> My name is Jonathan Bonny. Okay, nice. And what, what, where are you next going to do a... What did you call Not a uh, gathering. Um, well, so we are... This is was the first work in progress tryout of uh, the process of Daydem. So this is not the full version. This is one step of many steps and the piece will premiere in uh, January in Groningen. So we still have like more than half a year to actually add songs, add elements, add performers and to really figure out how we can do um, this connecting thing we want to do. So today was the first time we met an audience. It was also great to talk to them afterwards. So we now have some useful information to take with us in the, in the next few steps of the, of the creation process. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so that's part of the OLAB program. And then the other program is O Cinema. And mm-hmm. those of you who listened to Tisa and my um, broadcast on Saturday, we spoke with Vivos and Alex, who were part of the team who created Orpheus 2021, which was a film adaptation of their adaptation of Monteverdi's Orpheus, which was incredible. It was amazing. <laughs> I like... I loved it so much and I want to see it again and one of the things they said in the interview I think with us is that like people should watch it and they would like them to then watch it again because I think you, there's so much to take in like the subtitles the outfits the different genres that they're bringing in from different styles of film and clothing and stage and setting and everything And but it was amazing you um, can only fully understand it after you watch it five times yeah, yeah nice I think so well yeah, yeah not for, I think you just get different things from it each time absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think those are all the general programs and then it's just the general things going on in Roth- in different venues in Rotterdam. Check out the program on, on the website. Yes. It's really packed with yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's lots. <laughs> cool. Lentique? Yeah, Lentique. Yeah. Let's do Lentique. Um, so, okay, now again to rephrase what is this thing, you know. Um, we went to see it on Saturday. It was in uh, Zoutplein Theater with two tribunes facing each other. You can see the people on the other side. There is a little ladder in the middle of the rectangular space in which a dancer and a singer are interacting. Apparently, they are playing the same role. Apparently, they are both one character. I read this somewhere. They didn't mention it in the interviews that I made with the creators. What I really liked about this piece was the music. Mm. As well as singing, I don't know, it was so beautiful and touching, the whole thing, and the dripping sand from the ceiling and so on. So, yeah, I'll, um, I'll start with the, the um, short gonna, interview I'm with the choreographer, I think. Okay, and while you play that interview, I'm going to play it in the background. 
Yes, perfect. Okay, let's go. So Lenta K22, Lenta 22K. Giorgio Carso. Hi. Could, could I ask you two questions yes. for the radio award? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. That's okay, why I'm you? like yes. a bird around. Yes, tell me. Uh, what's the first move that you knew for this piece? The first move? What do you yeah. mean move? The I first think, movement the first that was really clear idea. to, yeah, seeing idea. The scent. The scent. Yeah, nature. What does the scent symbolize? I needed to bring some nature in the spring because Lente is called spring. I'm like, oh. oh, we can bring some flowers or grass, but I would like some earth and nature elements. Yes, That's the scent was piece. beautiful. Yeah, because Slowly like two pieces ago, I brought snow. The last piece, I brought snow in, and the piece then before that, I brought water in. So uh, there's a nature element. Wow, yeah. amazing. Um, um, do you like to make your dancers sweat really hard? Even the singer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, think, uh, I think even in the first scene they already start to sweat because it's quite um, intense because it's not just uh, singing a song. Yeah. It's really with intentions. What is the underlying um, intention from the song and the scene, in the scene? Also from the dancer. I don't ask a dancer to do steps, but I, I ask her to perform um, intentions. The, the steps are not important for me. Is there a specific intention that you agreed upon as a group? I think they were all really um, flexible and very willing um, to go uh, through this journey with me. Um, and I think everything was like in a, in a mutual um, conversation in a, in a sense, and like talking about it. It's like, okay, then we have to dive in. Certain things are very difficult for both of them. Mm -hmm. um, but I think um, we got there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Full on in and grind through whatever that is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this exactly. is what I sensed from it. Yeah. But also so much beauty and grooviness. And yeah. I love these uh, scenes of like w with the hands, the, mm. the hug that wants to exist, mm. but it's kind of as much as it's magnetic pull towards each other, it's also a pull out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And now a couple of words from the dancer, which was Melissa Dictas. <laughs> now, <laughs> when you're dancing, what are you thinking about? Oh, I think I'm being in a moment is, think, is I think the most important thing to, you know, also being with with the other performer. Um, so I'm not thinking about something personal. I think I think. Living the the story or something, yeah. You see shapes because I was like watching your body. I'm like, where is the center of the your body? Like, what is the line you're drawing, and where is it coming from? And then that's what I was, that's the way I was trying to. It depends on what kind of feeling we are moving from. I think in some in some at some point we are or I am in a uh, in my own bubble. Mm -hmm. So I'm in in the past and sometimes I'm in in a moment and living or telling you a story um, yeah so it, it's every time is different yeah. where, where it comes from and I think that's the nicest thing about moving and telling a story is not always being in one same um, place or something yeah temporality yeah yeah and also being on stage with other performers is also very interesting to, you know, have the, the dialogue and mm -hmm. to communicate with each other and what happens from them or, I don't know, yeah. Have you always worked with singers or normally do you... A couple of words you from the singer. My colleague Chola were doing like this. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we talk a lot before... About uh, the process we started and setting up intentions like months before and like so he really he's really a person how to say like very personal like he <laughs> likes to dig in some 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 stories from other stuff and for example I'm from Indonesia as well so in this sense I'm it's it's really like it's like my story but it's different you know yes. so 
um, we did a lot of research together. I mean, I, I did some songs. I I also like suggesting and and, and some some poems, which also was some of the some of the poems I was singing and reciting was uh, also like from my favorite favorite poet and stuff like that. So and then from there we set the in, in, like, intention like okay this this scene because there are chapters actually like um, yeah. The first one is like love and lost, like because you, you as you already read a little bit, it's it's a, about a woman who lost a, 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 a husband and she was like, okay, what what should I do now? Like she she lost her pillar, so that's like the core. Like there's like a, a main intention, main um, narrat- narration, and then in the end, like he really like dig in deeper. Mm-hmm. Like every chapter, every scene, every every words, almost you have. To, I have to like. Okay, yeah, I have to think about about this intention. Like, okay, lo- love and lost, and how do you experience this? And the the funny thing, like, there's one scene where I was very uncomfortable because I had to play like character which I don't like. In, and a couple in a, of in words life, from the composer For example, this as well. Kind of stuff. I think it's the one where you're hitting her. There was violence. <laughs> if, if you're up for it, I would like to ask you a couple of questions. We're doing a reportage of the festival for Radio Warm. Yes. If this is a good moment, if you wish, we can step outside. No, here is fine. If it's uh, okay for you. Yes. Perfect. Not too much mo- noise for you. My name is Tisa. Tisa, thank you. Nice thank to meet you. you. Nice to meet you. Super. Um, so I'm recording already. <laughs> um, I was wondering if the words came first, or a melody, or the sound as a whole. I think the whole idea came first. We we talked a lot, not that much with Ryan, but we found some common ideas, common black playgrounds, and some common common keywords, and such as. Such as season, I don't know uh, why. Uh, mm-hmm. Such as uh, uh, intimacy too. We try to translate an Asian feel, uh, an, an Asian feel actually, which is about um, how to explain it. You don't say that much what's inside you, actually. Mm-hmm. It's That's hard it. to describe it with words, so it's <laughs> yes. easier with movement and <laughs> yes. sound, right? Yes, mm. so we try to translate this privacy, this uh, kind of inner, inner self, and behind each, uh, like love songs, there is a, a drama. That, that's the idea. Would you say this is a series of love songs then? In it a can sense? be, or not only about love, but like. Uh, I don't know, easy or happy songs. It starts like this, and and behind that there is something I don't know, missing, lacking, or sometimes it's a beat, sometimes it's an instrument. But <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And uh, is he the choreographer then? Yes. Okay. All right. That was his role. Ryan. Yes. Um, across the stage. So the stage was made up from uh, two blah, blah, tribunes blah. facing each other. It blah, was blah, blah, we heard this already. Um, there is one thing that uh, he told me, which was that him and his wife were the sole musicians of this piece. There was not an orchestra, there was not an ensemble, but basically it was him playing like a bunch of instruments and his wife is a cellist and they often make music together. So it's it's like a living room production of this beautiful symphony, you know, maybe not living room, but probably home studio, no? or at least the feel is mm. of home. And so Sinkeo Panga, Panyas. I really love this music. It's, it was so groovy, you know, it brought a lot to, to the piece itself. Mm. And it was wonderful to talk to them. Also, I think that as a crew, they really managed to create an intimacy in between each other and also this fact of having an attention, attention, not attention, but having an intention behind every move, behind every sound. Like, this is what makes this piece. Yeah, for sure. And um, 
it's it did play again yesterday twice. Yes. But um, it's now going to be touring from September to December. So look up Lente 22K. Um, and it's going to be in Eindhoven, Breda, Amsterdam, Rosendal, Harlem, Utrecht and Arnhem. So really recommend going to see it, but it's not going to be at O Festival anymore. Yeah. So lucky if you saw it. <laughs> the best. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Um, did you... Wait. I have another one uh, in in, uh, in my yeah, bag of goodies. Yeah, go with your bag of goodies then. Okay. <laughs> it's also quite an extensive interview. Um, okay. So yesterday, it happened uh, on Sunday evening, was called Sola Soletta. Ah, this is one that I m- wanted to go to, but I missed because it was clashing. Ah, it was clashing with uh, Day Dem show. Yeah, that exactly. You went to. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm just going to read this description because I didn't read it yet. So I think this is the moment <laughs> to kind of <laughs> see what the festival wrote about the piece. And uh, then we have uh, an interview with the main maker, Maribeth Diggle. So Sola Soleta is a moving account full of female power, idiosyncratic performers, and Puccini's emotions. The often tragic fates of female characters are a driving force in the world of opera, which is populated by the much-loved singers that embody them. Conversely, far fewer women are at the helm behind the scenes. Astonishing, or maybe not. If women are hardly portrayed as strong leaders in an opera context, could that be part of the explanation why they are rarely giving the keys to an opera house? In Sola Soleta, the American soprano Maribeth Diggle researches these gender-related hierarchies in a socio-critical and poetic manner, together with an idiosyncratic cast of performers and the Argentine composer Ezequiel Menaled. Uh, his score fuses lyricism, contemporary vocal techniques, and live electronics into a sensual sound design. Hmm, I didn't get sensual. Actually, like, this whole show was funny. I said a lot of words and I got some of them, but a lot of them I didn't. Okay, Summarize. that's fine. But yeah, it says idiosyncratic and sensual sound design and so on. And gender. But what I got was like a great critique of this patriarchal old order um, of, you know, also abuse and bad situations within these institutions, uh, more specifically opera houses. Mm. And... Uh, the way that they portrayed this, the way that they criticized this whole scene was hilarious. Like, the audience was laughing all the time. And this is something that you don't see much, you mm. know? Um, and also, uh, the, the, the set design and the costumography, it was beautiful. It started very minimalistic, wearing these crinolinas, like these huge skirts from the, you know, uh, little... Um, uh, Duchess, uh, you mm. know, times, I don't know, like 18th century or whatever. Um, and uh, everything was kind of dim and white. And then they had trampolines on which they wow. jumped while singing. Oh and my God, I'm sad to have missed this. <laughs> Sounds amazing. There were these great objects also, like, um, um, like uh, toys for children, but then their genders were kind of manipulated into different toys you know like just a bunch of toys kind of put together moving mechanically around the space also uh, the colorful element there was nudity there were interviews with people who have experienced like this uh, institutional hierarchies on their own skin you know she said something about the post me too world uh, in the interview as well so yeah do you have Man. any sounds from it? It was really Did exciting. Rec- uh, it was forbidden to record anything, actually. Ah. Like, there was a sign in the beginning of okay. the show that you shouldn't record anything. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to respect that. I'm just going to, you know, yeah. like, sit yeah, in right. the situation and uh, feel what's happening. Sometimes when you record, uh, the experience kind of gets postponed, you know, or mm. not... not 
Well, you're thinking presence. about whether the microphone's in the right place or whether, like, if you move, you're going to, like, ruin it. Also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So here. And I have the wonderful uh, conversation after the show with my new friend, Betty, an old lady that, ha- that has a part, part two of the whole festival. And we were just chatting. She didn't want to be recorded, but oh. we were just chatting about the whole festival. That's really so, nice. Yeah, she was sitting next to me. <laughs> Sweet. Um, yeah. Here it is, the... So this is the interview with the maker of Solazaleta? Yeah, so this is Maribeth Diggle. Perfect. And number... I'm a bit slow today. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it was an amazing production. It I really was. Wish. It really Where was, was it on? What venue? Um, it was in... Um, it was in Schaub... No, no, no. Yeah, it was in Teatro Rotterdam. In the smaller room, Kleinzaal, I think. Sorry. Okay. were mentioned here. And the topics. Okay, here we go. Okay. So, uh, Maribeth, thank you for the performance. I really loved the humor of it. This, yes. For me, it was such an essential, central um, moment because usually when we speak about the topics that were mentioned here, and I don't even know how to label them specifically, um, it is always like critical theory, texts, um, seriousness, and, you know, this kind of a heaviness of a conversation. Yeah. So I was wondering, do you read critical theory? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, there's a lot of research in this piece, but what I discovered quite early uh, from my own experience is that if you approach it out of uh, frustration then it's somehow you close a door. People don't know how to enter. Yeah. They cannot enter the space that you are talking about. But I think similar to a lot of um, comedians today and um, presenters, uh, I'm from the United States, so this is big in my culture. Um, if you offer people a hand in with a, a bit of softness, soft strength, let's say, um, then people want to join and it's about joining because the topic of women and the topic of feminism, whether you call it feminism or not, is is a topic for everyone. It's not just a topic for women. So I hope everyone could have fun and really could enjoy themselves. Beautiful. Um, did this um, moment of um, the necessity of making this show come from your experience of being a trained classical singer, as I suppose you are, and then kind of attempting to work in the environment that the opera provides. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, It's interesting. I was telling someone the other day that I don't know why. Well, maybe I do know why, because I started in my studies uh, working with a contemporary dance company at the same time that I was being trained to be a classical singer and so the two worlds of um you know being creative and being precious to a piece being worthy of your opinion spoken out loud in a piece compared to the very traditional museum opera world where you are a translator which is a beautiful job but at the end of the day it's not your voice it's the interpretation and so um that said, I think when someone asked me what I think for the first time, I understood the difference. And then after that, um, the experience of the abuses that I, uh, my interviewees talked about didn't really happen to me directly. Um, these have happened to me in more personal ways. But um, I thought how interesting that perhaps especially as it hasn't happened to me, I could hold at least the microphone to people who it did happen to. And the stories are just, we all know them as singers, you know, and we all, it's kind of like a a dressing room talk. We say it in the dressing room, but we don't say it out loud. And I thought really enough is enough. We have to say them out loud in a post Me Too world. Uh, This should be allowed too, and it should be cherished, these experiences, so that we can finally update the upper world, which I really love deeply. Beautiful. What is the position of the opera as it was today? Is there still space in the contemporary society for the archaic moment of the opera? Because this show was 
quite contemporary, right? Yes. I mean, except for some moments of technique that I noticed, this is the only link that I made to opera as it used to be. Right, right. Um, I think... I have to think about this for a moment. Um, can you ask your question again? Sorry. Yeah, so I'm just wondering about the position of the old opera in today's society. Yes. 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 I hope there, there is a place for it today in, in today's world, but I don't think that it can stay as it, as it was. Um, I think we need to update our stories. I really hope that um, someone would have the courage to write a new La Boheme. But this is very difficult, not only for singer, you know, the singer world, but for the composition world, for the recording world, for everything that kind of makes the thing stand still in time. Um, you'll need to have a lot of courage, I think, to be a composer and to come up with a new La Boheme. But at the other hand, I don't understand why this is not happening because this happens in film all the time. It happens in theater all the time. There's Sacre du Printemps all the time. So why are we stuck in a period of time when opera was grand and, uh, and we expect audience to clap and, and yell bravo? And this is all wonderful, but um, I don't know. I think we need to be a little more courageous these days. And, and put a new framework on the old, old and new pieces. She was great. She also mentioned how uh, instead of... I asked her about her daily practice as a vocalist and uh, she said that she's much more interested in breath. And the first piece, like the first uh, aria in, in the, the piece was basically just breathing techniques how uh, portraying how a woman is dying because it's a lot about this you know like the women in opera women characters in opera just always die for some stupid reason <laughs> oh god that's <laughs> true tragic and true yes yeah. yes 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 so that's how they uh, broke the you know mystic mm. you die first and then you do your thing yeah <laughs> Wow. Then you come to life again, or whatever. I don't know. It mm. it was beautiful. Well, we've, we've also seen a lot that we haven't been able to talk about today. Yeah. But we're going to be broadcasting again on Wednesday at one o'clock. So we're going to have more to do, and then also to come back from stuff that we saw this weekend. Um, this is just a snippet from Birdwall, which is a performance by Sonic Witch Choir, which I also took part in on yesterday, um, which is at one. It's just a, the first song. How was your performance? It was, I really enjoyed it. This is the first time that I perform with this group um, and it was a new formation. There's, there were four of us, but sometimes it like ebbs and flows between how many people can perform or do the thing. So it can be more or less. I don't think it's been less. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like it was, the sound was really good. I could hear myself. I could hear them. I could hear the instrumentation. It felt like we held the space in a really beautiful way. Like it felt very, um, tense and captured for me anyway and I think the audience felt that too like I had a few people who came and they were, yeah, were very positive I don't know if they're just being positive then but it felt I don't know it felt like we had created something which had uh, held them for those 40-45 minutes mm. um, and I got to play the synth as well with these amazing sound bowls which is really fun so you'll hear Rose playing sound bowls and then Alex on the cello and Anna was on um, ukulele beautiful but yeah but a little bit but coming up Maybe we can talk about what we're going to go to today and tomorrow. Yeah, I already forgot. Like, this program is so vast that... Uh, yeah. Phew. But tonight I'm going to go to, as I mentioned before, the Chernobyl Dorf. So that's a Ukrainian contribution for the MT Now Awards. Um, and then there is also Songs from the Pantry, which is a Hungarian contribution to that, which I recorded a little bit of yesterday and I'm going to play now because I absolutely loved it. Um... Nice. I'm gonna go to OLAP today, Dreaming Clouds in mm. Ubik at 5 p.m. and uh, perhaps to the 10.30 late night show, yes. uh, like lullabies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and with the lullabies, which is a really nice tradition also, it's a collaboration between O Festival and Bobby's, and Bobby's make gin. <laughs> and we interviewed um, the two people behind the bar who were creating them last night, and I'm gonna play that now as well. Too much gin, if you ask me. Yeah.
Wait, sorry, I'm gonna start start it again and do it. It's like a walking commercial. I know, it's great. <laughs> well, Bobby's is uh, part of Ben 15. It's a great collaboration of the best gin tonic in the world. Collaboration between who and what? Ben 15 and Bobby's Gin. We put Indonesian strength and Dutch mentality in a drink. Fantastic. Fantastic, right? That's all we need to know. Yeah. Thank you. Indonesian strength and Dutch mentality. And then this was um response. What do you think about Bobby's? Bobby's, thank you. Lekker. You clipped so badly, we will not be able to use this recording. Well, we did use it in the end. Lekker. So that's Bridget, who's part of the um, O Festival team. Um, yeah, give people a drink and uh, they can wait out any delay in program. Yeah, yeah. that's how it and goes. That, there are a lot of gin, but they've got amazing spice. I really, it's actually like a, as they come in a can, yeah. it's a pre made gin and tonic. I think it's the best one I've ever had. Yeah, totally. Like it, it's, and it's unusual and it's not too, I mean, it is quite strong, but in a good way. So come to the late night lullabies and gin. Yes. <laughs> who's playing tonight? It's um, Jessica Walker and Joseph Atkins. A queer history and songs from the Weimar Cabaret to Cindy Lauper. Ooh, fun. It's gonna be great. Yes. Um, okay, what should we oh Oh, the show's done. Radio Worm goes to O Festival. Reports from Chola and Tisa. <laughs>